right back with another very special episode of the fucking Brando cast. Today, my guest, it's Mr. America. It's everybody's favorite comic mind. Holy Christ. For the fourth time on the Brando cast, that's a new fucking record. Fuck you, Lauren Lapkus. Fuck you, Jimmy Pardo. Fuck you, Paget Brewster. Blaine Capatch, number one. Woo! Hey, it's me. Hi. I feel bad. I don't want to hurt any of those people. Quality human beings. All quality people. However, you, sir, you're number one. Number one with a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> I have a mullet going, too. Check it out. Well, you got a mullet going and you've got the fucking like wizard, d'Artagnan, pirates, magician, kick ass, <laughs> quasi Fu Manchu, but perfectly great, but not great. It is. He's got some facial hair going. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I have to grow it out. I'm doing stunts for Mark Marin next week. <laughs> Wait, I have, ma- I have to match some shots from last spring. Oh, for real? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the realm of possibilities, that's incredibly possible. I remember so. uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm good friends with Marin and uh, uh, I was working with him on he was doing at midnight and I was going in to write with him and I had this thing going on. I go in and out of this and he has the same thing happening. And I walk in, he looks at it, and he goes, no, <laughs> just got really mad at me. Like I'm ripping off your facial hair bit. <laughs> that's so bizarre to. Think of Marin on At Midnight, a fine show. My friend Chris Hardwick hosted it. My friend Tess mm-hmm. Rafferty wrote on it. You wrote sure. on it. But I would think that Marin at At Midnight would be like, "What the fuck am I doing?" God yeah, damn. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> well, I had to. I had, I wrote with him because I knew him the, the best, and it was the same thing. It was just like, just write stupid jokes, and Chris is going to bust your balls about being like really mean and well, all this stuff, and. He, he just leaned into it. He's really he's more fun than you think he is. <laughs> I know. I I we are in that uh, realm between acquaintance and friend. Uh, fingers <laughs> crossed. Maybe someday he'll be on the Brando cast. But fuck Mark Marin. Blaine Capatch is here <laughs> today, and we're uh, we're gonna have a lot of fucking fun. We are basically doing what I would call Blaine Capatch's Halloween twenty twenty two. Spooktacular. It's a mix of. Ooh. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> you know, when I was a kid uh, growing up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we had uh, Monster Horror Chiller Theater hosted by Chili Billy Bill Cardilly. And that was like the late Saturday. It might have even been late Sunday, but that was like the late Friday night, late Saturday shows that all those local TV stations used to have where they would just show shitty movies. Did you have a similar thing uh, on the other side of Pennsylvania? You know, no, we didn't have uh, uh, we didn't really have anybody that we watched scary movies wise. I would see weird movies on Sunday afternoons after church. That was usually when I would ca- it would be some rerun in the middle of the, na- of the afternoon and you'd see like uh, uh, 50,000 years to earth or something to some horror, horror movie repurposed. And uh, uh, we had Captain Chesapeake that came up from <laughs> from the uh, the Bay Area. It's a guy dressed like like the Montclair cigarettes guy, like wearing this L. Ron Hubbard hat. Ahoy, crew members! (laughs) 
and he had these puppets. Uh, uh, Bruce the bird. It was a birdhouse, and it was just a guy that would just go, "Yeah, shut up." You never saw him. There was no puppet. And uh, and then there was a John D or Jombie the sea monster. It was just horrible, just paper mache head. And they uh, real primitive back when it was a blue screen before they invented green. And they uh, there was one time when the birdhouse fell off, and you could just see guys walking around behind the set. There's a hole where the birdhouse was supposed to be. Anyway, that was our horror show. <laughs> was that, it, was, it was terrifying. Was, was that late afternoon cartoons or was that what was that? That was what like a, that was just, that was come home from school in a cartoon block, it, like like a weekday cartoon block. Ahoy, crew members! He was a nice guy. It was you know, hey, hey, a for effort. Thanks, thanks for being there. And so he would have from- guests on ice cream party stuff, and his kids just send their pictures in. Here I am before I had my feet amputated. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this, what, is why, this is why all the Gen X white guys pitch as a sitcom: the behind the scenes of the Captain Chesapeake show, or <laughs> behind the scenes of Monster Killer Horror Theater. You know you what know, I mean? Pat, I'm gonna. I, I you can cut this out if you want. But Pat and I wrote a thing for Cartoon Network years ago, and it was just a Saturday morning as a Kentucky Fried movie, and it was just kind of us doing a channel flip through the old Saturday morning staples and commercials and stuff. But things are all completely different now. Saturday morning is dead, as far as like kids are concerned. I, you know, I, it's a tragedy. It really yeah. is a national. It's like fuck Toys up. R Us is gone, and Saturday morning's gone. We hate our kids. We <laughs> hate them. Was, I on YouTube, they have some of those um, preview shows. Remember when they would have the Saturday morning cartoon preview show? I just watched some with my nine year old a couple days ago. We, we went through the uh, the eighties uh, opening titles, all the like Galaxy Rangers and Care Bears, a million kinds of product tie ins and candy tie ins. That was insane. Yeah, I, it was. Uh, you know what? I'm glad that we grew up when we did. I, I really am. I, I feel lucky because, you know, yes, we watched a lot of television, but we were outside a lot. Yeah, like, we also have we, we have we have something to compare today's horror to. <laughs> the seventies, oh, yeah. yeah, completely. <laughs> um, uh, before we launch into the Halloween spectacular uh, music mix party, um, you before we got going, you said that you had a Dinah's chicken story. Dinah's chicken is a local. There's one in Glendale, and there's one on Sepulveda on the road down to LAX, coming out of Culver City. And uh, it's fabulous fried chicken, but the cool restaurant there in Culver City is going to close because uh, we in Los Angeles hate our own history. Hate it. Uh, and we love to bulldoze fucking shit that's cool. Strip um, malls. Need to more. Replace, yeah, to replace it with uh, more expensive condos and bullshit. So what is your Dinah's Chicken story? Uh, well, my Dinah's Chicken store, store, uh, uh, story takes place. On February 19th, 2001, because that's the day after Dale Earnhardt died. Do you remember when Dale Earnhardt died? I, I, in the I, last I, lap of the in the, uh, of the, uh, the Daytona 500, he uh, got into a little scrape. He hit the wall, died instantly. It was, uh, uh, and he was like the, the top of the game guy. He was the big guy in stock car racing. I watched it over at my manager's house, a bunch of people. We would all go over and watch sports stuff. And uh, saw it live. Hey, Dale Earnhardt just died. It was like when if Kobe would have died 
if his helicopter would have died on the court, you know what I mean? If he would crash, it's like a, the top guy died. It was a huge, huge to do. And this was like before the internet. So you couldn't really go on and get all the information at once. So the next day I was at the time I was working at comedy world, which was a, a internet, a, a proto internet radio network. Responsible, came- f- responsible for making Dave Anthony think that he could be a broadcaster. <laughs> I'll always hate them for that. Uh, but I co-host, I was the co-host of the Beth Lapidus experience. So I would go out there, I'd go out there every day to the, to Marina Del Rey to this warehouse full of Airstream trailers. And it was always a great time. And when I was done, I would go out and get some food and I went to Dinah's and uh, I go to dine because it was close. I'm sitting in a booth by myself and this, I see this guy come in and he's a classic NASCAR looking guy, just sort of older white guy kind of, you know, beer belly-ish. And he's wearing a black satin Dale Earnhardt jacket and a a black Dale Earnhardt cap. And he's got some newspapers. And he just walks in and the waitress sits him down at this booth and he just sits there by himself and he's just reading the paper. And he was so sad. I can't tell you how sad he was. I felt horrible for the guy. And uh, the uh, because he was still obviously stunned and grieving. And then like maybe 15 or 20 minutes later, Another guy comes in, a little smaller, older NASCAR white guy, kind of thin, whatever, wearing a dis- different kind of satin Earnhardt jacket and a different cap. And he's got newspapers and he walks over to the booth and they look at each other and the guy sits down and they both just read the paper. They did not say a word. I w- watched and like I left before they were done, but they did not make a sound. I felt so horrible for those guys. Anyway, that happened at Dinah's Chicken. All, <laughs> all these moments will be lost in time, like tears and rain. But, uh, you know, when we close all this stuff, that's the stuff we lose is those two poor Dale Earnhardt guys. This was like before 9-11. This was, you know, February of 2001. So this was like before America kind of, turned into an asshole party oh my and those God. It, and and dale earnhardt would have been a completely different kind of thing um speaking of um comedy worlds that's like one of those like if you asked me exactly where was comedy world i would not be able to tell you where the physical plant was where you guys broadcast because i'm at zappa had a show out yeah. of comedy worlds i think kennedy had a show and kennedy. Bobby Duff. Slayton had a show with Sue Murphy. Uh, Ken Ober had a show. Uh, the late, great Ken Ober. Uh, Greg Barrett uh, yeah. had a show uh, uh, that tur- kind of turned into, uh, uh, he's just not that into you. Uh, uh, that was a, a weird place. Like I said, it was a warehouse in Marina Del Rey, very nondescript in a cul-de-sac. And you'd go in and it was a giant space and one half of it was kind of offices and the other half was a huge hangar size thing, and it was full of these little Airstream trailers. And they were all set up like offices. And uh, there's an Airstream trailer that was a broadcast booth, and another that was an engineering booth. And you'd go in and record in these trailers. It was really cool and ingenious. And then, of course, it went out of business in a spectacular pre- proto internet flame out, and they owe everybody money. And the dude, like before he did, right before everybody got fired without pay, he uh, he was he bought everybody those expensive chairs, 
and he got a silver Porsche. And then he told everybody about a party he had where he had little people with cocaine on their heads because he heard Freddie, Mer- <laughs> Freddie Mercury did it. So he had little people with so you're like, you're an asshole. That's an asshole move. Uh, Just, did, was that a situation where people came to work one day and there were locks on the hangar? They came in and they said, uh, uh, hey, we're going to power down. We got to get rid of some people and some layoffs will happen. We're going to fire back up when we get that. And everybody was like, uh oh. And then uh, and then a week later, just everything was gone. Just nobody was working there. They still owe me a lot of money. (laughs) Do they really? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I wrote wrote that wrote that off in the 20th century. (laughs) No, twenty first. Uh, it was actually the twenty first. It's all scam. It's yeah. all. It's all. I, I, had a, I had a great time. I had a great time on the Beth Lapidus experience. Right, when, and that was what you and Beth, me and Beth. And I would just sit there and go, "That's cold blooded, Beth." <laughs> I'd just be the co host. <laughs> You're correct, sir. <laughs> I just do my jokes. It was cool. Like Dee Dee Ramone would come in, and Robert uh, Robert Williams, like artists, and like Jane Wheedland come in, came in, and she was. Like depilating her arms with saran wrap. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> cool stuff. Cool stuff. Well, look, let's get into some cool stuff today. We're going to. Ooh, cool <laughs> stuff. <laughs> this is for Halloween. <laughs> this is for Halloween. It's Blanca Patch's Halloween spooktacular mix. Songs that are evocative of this wonderful ho- holiday season, which is so annoying in the city of Los Angeles because. As an adult, you feel compelled to go out and rent a fucking $500 costume to go to a bullshit party in the hills. So, number one on Mr. Capatch's list, it's Donovan, 1966 and Season of the Witch. You got to pick up every stitch. There must be a season on the witch. Donovan, yes, why? Mr. Kapatch, wonderful song. Uh, uh, it's just a, it's a spooky, weird song. It has the word witch in it. Season of the Witch. It turns up on a lot of uh, Halloween mixes, and it's, uh, uh, it's a good Donovan song. Donovan was uh, uh, underrated, I think. He, you know, a lot of his... Uh, uh, do you like Donovan? I love the fact that he gave us Donovan Leach and Ioni Sky. Oh, okay. And I love Sunshine Superman. I mean, that whole yeah, record is like flawless. Funky, crazy hits. Yeah. No funky, problem. Funky, crazy yeah. hits. This, this record was actually recorded at CBS Records here in Hollywood, uh, California. Yes, it was. On the album Sunshine Superman. I did a little bit of research on all of your songs. Oh, my God. Cause I, I should cause have. There's some, there's some, well, there's just some fun. No, we've heard, I've heard this song five billion thousand times, mm-hmm. but I'm, it's I'm great obsessed. every time though. It, it really, it really holds up. It's a great song front to back. Abs- absolutely. But I, as a resident of Hollywood, I am obsessed with the way the music industry worked here in town in the sixties mm-hmm. and these fabulous recording studios filled with all of these incredible players and all these studio musicians that played on every single fucking pop it that you people love. I'm not explaining this to Blaine. I'm a, I'm, exp- I'm Brendan explaining sixties, the sixties music scene to people listening to this podcast. The thing I love about it is all these incredible players playing on all of the pop hits of the day, whether it was Sonny and Cher or Donovan or the mamas and the papas or the beach boys or everyone in between. Um, so, you know, I just love the fact that this song was recorded here in Hollywood, Blah, 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 blah. 
my friend Andy Paley. Do you know Andy Paley? I do not know Andy. Of the Paley, Paley Brothers. He's uh, he's the music. He wrote the uh, the music for SpongeBob. He's a, a great composer. He, uh, works with Brian Wilson a lot. And uh, he was telling me that he was in New York and he did a show with Donovan. I think it might have been might have been Letterman. I can't remember what it was. He pours the shit out of me with his incredible stories all the time. <laughs> he, uh, but he he goes, uh, yeah, it just comes in. He goes, uh, and Donovan's like, you know, the changes, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And they sat down and everybody. It was all these like pro guys. And he, but he said when he plays that ching ching at the very beginning, he goes, oh my god, it was Donovan. It was. Like the just the way he played it, it just sent chills up his spine. That's really cool. I I have uh, I did a play with Donovan Leach back in the year of our Lord nineteen ninety two. We were the first play that wow. was in the uh, Hudson Theater on Santa Monica Boulevard. <gasps> the Hudson, uh, and that boy introduced me to a lot of. He was sort of the gatekeeper to young Hollywood back then. He was like the guy. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. the guy who knew where all the fucking cool shit was happening. Because uh, he and his sister grew up uh, literally on at the end of Wilton above uh, Franklin, and they just fucking ran this town. And I got to do all kinds of cool shit, like going to Drew Barrymore's sixteenth birthday with Donovan <laughs> Leach at this little club space near the corner of Ivar and Selma. Believe it or not, got it. And I kept a piece of her birthday cake in my freezer for roughly four years. I would. (laughs) Right? Right. It was was so absurd that I, just a young person in this town, was taken to such an event filled with so many beautiful people, uh, all because of my then friendship with Donovan Leach. And not to name That's a great neighborhood, by the way, uh, uh, Franklin above Wilton. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful old craftsman homes. It looks like like somebody zapped a HO train set uh, diorama with a growth ray it's just gorgeous. well that's that was their house their mother enid had this house and their house was like the congregating place for everybody anthony Kiedis writes about it in his autobiography wow. it was like the cool place really um, gorgeous, gorgeous neighborhood donovan used to take me up to the wonderland school in laurel canyon to play basketball on the small rims and my first big mind-blowing Hollywood day was the basketball game was comprised of me, Donovan, our friend Rob Montalbano. Hello, Rob. I know you listen to the show. Um, Adam uh, and Mike from the Beastie Boys. Wow. And Flea and Anthony. Wow. So uh, that's like <clears throat> summer 92. And I've just name-dropped the fuck out of this podcast. So let's move <laughs> on to the second song on Mr. Capatch's. Halloween spooktacular music mix. It's one of my favorites. Grimly fiendish. The Damned, 1985. Grimly fiendish. Why, sir, did you pick this fucking gym? Oh, I, I love it. It's Halloween-y. I was trying to think of something that I haven't thought of in a while. What are some halloween types? Oh, just, uh, they're so they're so spooky, but in the fun Halloween trick or treat toilet paper your house, soap your daughter's kind of way. Uh, so I really uh, uh, I, I like this song, and plus it, it t- took me back to '85 when I was uh, in going to York College, and I was uh, a DJ at the college radio station. I had my own show, and I would play this song all the time. I also played "Dead Men Don't Kill Coyotes" from the that was that was the. <laughs> The only thing that we had from the Chili Peppers. 
That's but the beginning. I, what did you name your show? Did you name your rate? Did it have a, sh- a cool name? Your radio show? A, just the Blaine show after a yeah. while. It was, it was, uh, the Dave and Blaine show is with my friend Dave Bailey. And then Dave had actual classes. <laughs> Got all my classes. What, uh, what other kind of, was it totally free form or did you kind of like, I, I had a format and, and, and like, you know, I would pick stuff and I had a stuff on a playlist and I would read at, you know, read ads and stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, I would just freeform little bits in between. What? Uh, give me a uh, kind of a picture of Halloween, Young Blaine, Halloween, late seventies, best best costume, best neighborhood for trick or treating. I just take me take me way back there. Well, here's a little story. Uh, I was into Green Lantern when I was in my, I guess, my single digits, yes. nine yes. or ten. And uh, and I had made myself a Green Lantern costume. I was really into drawing on T-shirts with magic markers. And I would do like – I would do uh, 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 crazy hot rods with the monster stuff. Uh, uh, and I would do superheroes. So I made myself a Green Lantern shirt. And I – took mascara or some kind of makeup and I gave myself a black green lantern mask around my eyes and it looked pretty cool. I had this thing going on at white gloves. I was like, all right, I'm green lantern. And my mom said, well, better put a coat on because it's very cold. So I put a coat on you couldn't see my shirt. And then she said, you got to wear your glasses because you're not going to be able to see anything. So she put my glasses on. It just looked like I had black eyes under my glasses and i had a coat on so it's just this ra- humanoid raccoon going trick-or-treat hi i'm green lantern and what are darkest you supposed day to be, blackest kid? night yeah, well, I was, i'm supposed to be the green lantern but my mom is uh my mom is helicopter parenting and then i then uh michael j fox looks at the crowd helicopter parenting as might be a little ahead of your time Oh my god! My mom, uh, it's got to be Halloween seventy five or seventy six. I love the fucking Green Goblin. Okay, so Cheryl Wheel, Brendan Smith's mother, she took a pair of uh, a full set of long underwear, top and bottom, dyed it green. Okay, she drew the webbing like this sort of like lizard scales in in a black marker on the full outfit. Then she took like purple fabric and made like a vest and kind of like shorts to put over the 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 um the long underwear and then she bought real Spock ears maybe from the Spencer's Gifts in the South Hills Village Mall I don't know where she got, got them, but she got Spock ears and she dyed those green and then she made a purple hat out of that same fabric and okay. then, and then I don't know what she just regular makeup. She painted my face green and sent me on my way. Wow, I have a, a lab- I have a photo of that. It's elaborate, <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I I carried a little pumpkin too. A, oh, okay, a pumpkin ball. <laughs> yeah, that's a, got it's got a nerve gas in it to take out the. Uh, <laughs> well, fentanyl. It, it, you know, it was a very, oh, yeah. you, very early version of fentanyl. You touch it. Yeah, it was an early version. I think it had a uh, what was it? It was a Dick York. That's the fentanyl with Dick York. <laughs> um, I think that that costume also happened the year that I 
after I graduated out of the classic store-bought in-a-box Fred Flintstone costume, I think was the last store-bought in-a-box outfit sure. that I got from Woolworths with just the face and the plastic fucking body bag that you wore. I, my kid has a stormtrooper thing in a box that we've modified extensively, but use it as a as a base to kind of build a better costume for him. Will your child be trick or treating this year? Yes, he's he's uh, going to stormtrooper it up. Fan. I don't know what I'm going as. I'm trying to remember her name. I can't remember her name. It's the the woman who did all the uh, uh, the calculations for the moonshot. I don't know if you ever saw the picture of her. She looks like she looks like she's, you know, in a in a Brooklyn band and she's uh, got glasses and she's standing next to this giant stack of phone books of code that she wrote by hand. And that was going to be my wife and I's Halloween costume. She was going to dress up like her and I was going to dress up like this big stack of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> now Halloween's getting too close and it's like I don't know if I'm going to have time to make the big stack of stuff costume. All she has wow. to do is like put some glasses on, you but know, we go do- out with your child or are you guys going to go trick or treating on your own? We usually try to at least do it up. I always, I have little Spock ears too. I have elf ears that I always wear for shows and stuff around Halloween. And I just put those on and go, Hey, hi, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in costume. It's me. I'm an elf. And then, uh, uh and then we kind of take him out to in LA. They have really good, huge neighborhoods where everybody kind of, they let everybody know that these are safe neighborhoods and you go in and everybody in the area decorates their houses. And they make it a big thing for kids. So they turn into these little destination hoods around Halloween. I don't know if they do that in other, I'm sure they do it in other cities. Uh, my, my brother, Ryan Smith, he, for many, 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 many years lived in that neighborhood. It's a Sklar brother neighborhood over by the Silver Lake Reservoir. Uh, Armstrong. Beautiful. Another beautiful area. And they, they close off Armstrong to do exactly what you say. And when people like move in, they are told like, welcome, congratulations, welcome to the neighborhood. But you're going to be on the hook every Halloween for roughly twenty five to $30,000. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it or <laughs> you, you get out. <laughs> get out. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? Pack your shit. We didn't want you here when we saw you unloading. We didn't like the looks of your stuff. Whoa, 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 I'll do it. Okay, well, then forget I said any of that. That's the price you pay for living near a Sklar brother because, you know, you have to outfit your house and you fucking better have hours and hours and hours worth of candy because the hits just keep on coming oh, yeah. on Halloween. Well, well, you know, we go over to a neighborhood uh, where Tom Kenny lives because <laughs> we know Tom and Jill – Right. And they open their house up. Their house is like they have food in there and people come not only trick or treat, but the parents come in and it's a big party and a gathering. So uh, we go over there. It's a huge neighborhood. And like you said, it's every house is done up. Stuff crawling out of the ground and stuff in the windows screaming. <laughs> people having seizures from strobe lights. It's gorgeous. Through my mailbox, a letter dropped. We've been listening to Igor's Party by Tony and the Monstrosities, or just the Monstrosities, or Tony's Monstrosities, 1960. What a hit. You've heard it a thousand times. You didn't know who sang it, but that's on Mr. Capatch's Halloween Spectacular Mix. 
You know, uh, here's another name to drop. Uh, that was on a mix that I got from Dana Gould. He sends out oh. uh, Halloween mixes, and he's he knows his horror. He's a horror guy. And uh, he sent me this wonderful mix, and that was on it. And I remember, because not only is it a great song, because it really has a, really locks in. It kind of rocks. It's very propulsive. Uh, and it's funny. It's really, it's like the guy's funny, and he gets exa- every line he gets. But it it was like... I just remember thinking there must have been a million other Monster Mash wannabe things after Monster Mash was such a huge hit. It's like, you know, when the Beatles came out, everybody sounded like the Beatles for five years. After Monster Mash was there, everybody's like, I got to write a monster song. So it's like (laughs) there's purple people eaters and stuff is landing from outer space. And, you know, take me to your eater or I'll eat you up. Everybody's did the chipmunks voice and gay hot rod things dancing and they're doing the twist. It was insane, this explosion of dumb monster songs. But I really liked that one. That one stood out because it was actually a great song. Well, America lost its mind after Elvis went into the military. and the, the Like Beatles BTS. Were- <laughs> like when Elvis joined, the, the, he had to do his uh, uh, mandatory Korean military service. Oh, my God. Are they going to send all the, the young gentlemen of BTS uh, into the service? Is that they're what's going to happen? They're all, they're all doing it. And they're going to reconvene in 2025. I bet if if they don't, if their window doesn't completely close, it might be a master stroke of PR. Oh, wow. Because there are such a huge, there's such a huge element of the Korean economy. Like it's going to cost them billions in revenue with those guys not being around doing shows or bringing in bringing in revenue streams i have the wonderful nel scovell on this podcast to she's wonderful to talk about bts and i think the figure was four percent of the korean economy which is fucking massive they're huge (laughs) they're huge band and you would think we talked about this you would think that the they would like convene the legislature or whatever they do over there. They would just get everyone together and go, we got to make a new law that says if you're in BTS, you don't get to serve. You don't have to serve. Nope. I'm, nah, you know what? I, I think, and I'm not a, I'm not a rah, rah, jingo military pro guy for on any level, <laughs> but I think it's, uh, I think they will, those guys will go in, they'll do their service and they'll come out and they'll go, yeah, we did our service. You know, it's uh, uh so now nobody can fuck with us. They, you know, they did their time and they go back to their thing and they can, nobody can in their country can give them any shit about anything. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's smart in the long run. I I think everything you just said, I think that applies to fucking Elvis. Like how cool was it that Elvis went into the military? It was, yeah, it was, it was smart. I wish, I wish he would have gone to Europe. I like, I like Elvis more than, than I should. I thought I was a little kid when he died. But. Yeah, well, by the way, quick tangent for those of you listening to the podcast, there's a whole mess of Elvis Presley movies on Amazon Prime. There's Clambake, there's GI Blues, and so many others. Holy shit. If you need something to do when you're having a couple gummies, Clam- <laughs> Clam- Clam- be my bear. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm the best Elvis movie is Top Secret. Oh, it's tell, wait, best, wait, I best Elvis what, movie. I don't know that one. What's is, it's? It's is, Top Secret. It's the Val Kilmer. Oh, uh, this okay. with the exclamation point. The funniest movie of all time, by the way. That's my 
It's my hands down the end funniest movie of all time. Top secret. Uh, does it does it hold up? Have you completely shown it to up. your son? I've I've yes, we've seen it a bunch. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's great. There's some there's a couple of problematic things in it. Like there's the 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 blue lagoon scene. There's a joke where the dude gets gets it up the butt from a bull when of just course. like a cow, whatever. <laughs> but there's some the great jokes in there, like the underwater fight scene and the backwards book bookstore and the winter boobs glow. <laughs> it's really it Omar Sharif getting crushed into a cube. Val Kilmer's finest hour. He his first movie. Yeah, it's great. I love it when they go, uh, 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 we require a jacket and tie, but we will be happy to provide you with one. So they take him into this room and he comes out in the sharpest tuxedo you've ever seen in your life. It's so funny. But it's just, that movie is nonstop jokes. And it's airplane. If you've never seen it, it's airplane flavored. It's Zucker Brothers. It is Zucker Brothers. Yeah. And it's uh, 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 just fantastic. You know, it's it's pointless to have this conversation, but boy, you couldn't get like I, again. I'm glad that we grew up when we did, because you can't write this stuff anymore. No, you can't. It, well, it does not fly. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Mel Brooks line? They uh, somebody said, you know, they you couldn't make a movie like Young, uh, uh, like Blazing Saddles today. He said, I couldn't make it then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's that's right. That, that's also very problematic, but it completely holds up. Yeah. Under, totally understood. Um, all right. I'm going to wedge in a song. Please do. Fucking this is fun, party. by the way. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, I mean, look, this is, I, I, I really wish that I could make a full living doing nothing but this with you. That's, that's all I want to say about that. Uh, so I'm going to wedge in a song. It's my favorite Halloween song. I'm going to see them in Washington, D.C. on Sunday night, October 23rd. It is Iron Maiden and Fear of the Dark! Fear of the Dark, Iron Maiden, one of South America's favorite songs. There's nothing like hearing 150,000 Brazilians singing the guitar lines of this song. And yes, it is true. I am flying to Washington, D.C. to see Iron Maiden with my friends from college. I, uh, uh, I saw... Can I tell you who I saw in D.C.? Please. I saw, uh, uh, I saw The Cure in 1986. Nice. It was the, which, is, which is hands down the best live show I have ever seen by any band. Wow. It was the Cure in 1986 at the, I think, the Warner Theater. And at the same theater, I saw New Order in 1986, I think, or 87, maybe, the Low Life Tour. They were horrible. One of the worst bands I've ever seen. And I still, I love them. I, they, I was disappointed, but they were terrible. Uh, and I saw, and Patton and I uh, went to see the Pixies in Periubu at, uh, in Adams Morgan for the Tromplemont Tour. Nice. Yeah. I saw I saw that tour at the Palladium. You know what? I was supposed to see it in Baltimore, but uh, I was going out of town, and I lived in Baltimore. So Pat and I went to see him in D.C. on the Thursday, and then I left, and my girlfriend who lived in Baltimore went to see them at Johns Hopkins and said, the, like, I, the Pixies were okay when we saw him. Perubu was great, but the Pixies were, they were, eh, whatever. They were, it was good night. But uh, my girlfriend said, oh, yeah, people were hanging off balconies and swinging around. It was the best show anybody's ever seen. <laughs> of course. 
I had to drive to Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> uh, getting beers I, thrown at me at a jukebox. A few weeks ago, uh, my brother Ryan and I went and saw the Pixies at the Wiltern here in the city of Los Angeles. And it was the most annoying crowd I've ever been around. In that, I think that people have forgotten how to do concerts, how to do it spatially. There was, and it also felt like they just wedged like 400 extra people into the Wiltern. It was crowded. It was cramped. It was COVID city. And we oh, had yeah. a young, we had a young couple in front of us that tried to dance the whole time in that fucking crowded like sardines environment. Why and it just you? sucked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Last thing I saw at the Wiltern was a weird owl with Emo Phillips opening. Oh, what a delightful show. I've heard, oh my I've God. heard nothing oh my but God. incredible things about that. It was so fun. And Weird Al's band blew me away. They are a unit, an insanely tight unit. They were they could play anything. Now, isn't it true that of those shows that it wasn't like Weird Al parody song Palooza? It was like a lot of like his kind of original stuff. Is that what was going yeah, on? Yeah, it was mostly original. I think he did a medley of some of the some of the stuff later on. But uh it was yeah, just like st- and, and I'm not. I know surface Weird Al as much as I as I should. I don't know his deep cuts and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, everything he did is like oh, I've heard this. But it was, uh, but it wasn't like the hit stuff, like you said. It was, and it was really smart. And again, the band blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. First celebrity I ever saw after I moved to Los Angeles in the Rite Aid in the Rite Aid on Fairfax and Sunset. Weird Al. That's a good fall, one. Fall or maybe like winter 1991. First he really time. is one of the sweetest human beings on earth. Um, and how was Emo Phillips? Oh, he's hilarious. Emo's, I, I'm happy to, to say that, be able to say Emo's a friend of mine. Yeah, and I would imagine. Is, and he is a br- brilliant comedian, uh, 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 a genuine technician. And did he just do like a 45 minute set or a half hour set just of, he, of comedy? I think he did. Yeah, I think he did like 20 minutes. Okay. Maybe a half. Wow, was, wow, wow. It was, it was just, and it was all great. He, he, uh, uh he, he does the thing where he just, he has a coat on between bits. He takes his, his jacket off, his sport jacket, and some woman, he goes, woo! And he kind of stops and then just puts his jacket back on. <laughs> it was so funny. Holy wow. shit, it was funny. Wow, wow, wow. That, god damn it. That's fucking, yeah. Fantastic. He's, he's a, he's a, uh, a treasure. You know what else is fantastic? It is the fourth song on Mr. Kapatch's list of Halloween spectacular hits. It is from 1979, Bauhaus, and the classic, Bella Lugosi's Dead. White on white, translucent black capes, black on the back. It, it is our monster mash. It really is. I don't get tired of hearing it. It's the first song they ever recorded, isn't it? I think it's the first song they ever recorded. And you can hear Daniel Ash like turning on the, the space echo and speeding stuff up and turning it down. But it's uh, it's a really great spooky thing. The first time I ever really heard it was in, uh, I went to see The Hunger. Remember The Hunger with David Bowie? The vampire movie with David Wait, Bowie and Catherine Deneuve. Who? Catherine Deneuve. I was going to say that. And as I was going to say that, my brain was like, no, she was in Cat People. So it wasn't The Hunger, but it was The Hunger. 
Was it the? No, now yeah. I'm. I think it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. But then, but the David Bowie getting old really fast. But then the opening scene is uh, is this nightclub, this dance club thing, and uh, Bauhaus doing Bella Lugosi's dead, and I made that. Oh, okay. Really Did you ever it. have a goth period? Yes, okay. of course. Okay. When I was in college, like I was saying, I was I was uh, at the radio station, and I was in a band called Root Canal with the uh with the station manager and he would outline his neck veins and mascara and spike his hair out and we had a band he he goes uh i had a bass so i was in the band that was how i got in the band i had a bass and he goes uh do you know joy division new order killing joe do you any of these i'm like uh not really and so i went in this like basement with one of those square windows and uh in the fall and just listened to joy division got this crash course and all this all this dark goth stuff that he had i was i was more in the xtc camp during those days but you know there was ministry was happening and uh uh love and rockets by that time i was really super into love and rockets did you have the outfits to go along with your growing taste in this eclectic music no, I was no, I was I was definitely dressed like a knob. But I you know, I would try to get black stuff. It was hard for me to find black stuff and uh or anything that looked good on me. I was just a dork. But yeah, I had friends who were super into it. My friend had this nightclub called Big City, the under 21 nightclub, Big City, and they would have this goth night. So every time you go in there, there's uh, Sisters of Mercy and there's all, all that, you know, uh, Cocteau Twins and people out there dancing like weird, dark, snoopy characters. Also, I worked at a record store during those days in the mall. And uh, so there were always goth kids coming in. I kind of tried to stay a little more new wavy Davy about it. I, this is an important question. And we always ask it of our guests when this, with the, this sort of subject comes up. Do you have a root canal t-shirt anywhere in your collection. <laughs> no, I have some pants with some blood on it from a dentist appointment. <laughs> no, it was it was R it was R it was R O U T E K A N A L. Oh. And, uh, uh, and it was it was me and Todd and there was a guitar player who looked like he should have been in Jethro Tull and he was kind of angry and his whole thing was he would break his guitar strings it was he thought it was cool to break his guitar strings and the drummer had diabetes and so he would always kind of start getting tired and sweaty and the keyboard player uh i don't remember any of their names somebody was alan i think but the keyboard player was always on acid and this is in york this is york pa in 1984 and this dude is every time i met him he was on baking on acid so uh we played one show outdoors at the york uh county street fair and uh we got we did uh she's lost control and then we were playing a velvet or a violent femme song and this woman came up older and she started tugging on my pant leg and she goes this is not jazz this is not jazz because apparently they had told them that we were a jazz band so that they would let us play i don't know anything about it i'm like what are you and then it started raining <laughs> so it, was, it all came all came oh, together in root I, canal. I, I'm gonna spend the day on the webs trying to find out if Ed from Live 
was influenced by this wonderful public performance. Oh, that one show. Yeah, like everybody everybody saw the saw us play and they all formed bands. They were in I lived in New York. They were in a band. They played my friends on Big City, that club. They were called uh, Public Affection. Oh, good. It's live. a good switch from Public yeah. Affection yeah, to Yeah, everybody live. called them Pubic Infection. And yeah, they switched over to live. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yeah, there was a whole weird little scene. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Oh, it's the final song. It's a goddamn good one. It is a fucking amazing song on Mr. Kapatch's Halloween Spectacular music mix from the band Wire and their seminal album Pink Flag, 1977. This is Strange. And if this song sounds familiar to you, that is because R.E.M. later covered this song on their album, Document. Tell me about this song, Mr. Kapatch. Oh, I just like it. It's creepy. It's really, really creepy. Wire is really good at being very uh, clinically creepy and sinister. But it just has that same kind of... It has the same vibe almost that Gimme Shelter has, where it feels like something is coming. And I don't know, don't know what it is. Do yeah, I, I, Mr. Jones? No, I, I'm going to give your child a baby Ruth laced with fentanyl. Oh, <laughs> I have a I have a turducken. It's a it's a, a turkey that's laced with a duck that's laced with a chicken. <laughs> if you touch it, you're dead. Dead in three seconds, like one of those snakes. <laughs> Two step snake. Uh, when I got I got. I got a pink flag by wire on cassette. Pat and Oswalt and I went out to Wichita to do the slapsticks comedy club in 1992 with our friend, Lord Corette. And we all went to the mall one day and Lord Corette pulls this. He's a record dude, rockabilly. He goes, uh, pulls the tape out and goes here, buy this. And it was $2. Oh, okay. I've heard of this. And then just listen to it constantly as we, as cause we had to drive. We drove from Wichita to Baltimore. Oh, hard. But uh, but yeah, that's where I and I I heard that one before I heard the REM version. I was never I like REM, but I was never a completist or had a a lot of their albums Uh, on that trip. I think on that trip between Wichita and Baltimore, did you guys do comedy at all places in between? That was a horrible tour. Oh, it was oh. Uh, Pat and I, we were getting ready to move to San Francisco in the summertime in July. So this was like our last big tour to get money. And we were going to go to uh, Patton was in uh, uh, Michigan someplace. And then I drive from Baltimore to meet him in uh, Milwaukee. We do Milwaukee. Then we do... Uh, Rochester, Minnesota, where the Mayo Clinic is. Then we do Oshkosh Bagosh. And then we're supposed to do uh, some other thing, uh, uh, another sh- another show. And then Madison, Wisconsin for the weekend where they, it was, oh, it was nightmarish. And then we were all going to wrap it up by driving from these other two gigs down to Wichita for the week in Wichita. And a bunch of the the ones at the end got canceled, and we had nowhere to stay, no money for hotel rooms, no gigs or anything. And I said, "Hey, let's just drive home and drive out next week. I don't care. I don't care." So we drove back, and the 
woman who booked us was mad at us for canceling. It's like, get fucked. But yeah, we did like uh, the Rochester get or the Rochester, Minnesota. Like I did, I was eating it so bad. And I, and I was like trying to get out of it. Hey, I heard you guys have the Mayo Clinic here. Don't you talk shit about the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> for real? Okay. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and then the next night, next night we did a show in this corrugated aluminum building at the end of town in Oshkosh. And it looked like we were in a cockfighting pit. I'm not kidding. And it was like me and Patton and that was like both of us. Ooh, you. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fucking shit. Walking on stilts over Cobras with that one. And then uh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin was fun. It was a cool city, but we were doing a hotel where they were the families of uh, high school wrestlers were having the state finals there that weekend. So Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's, instead of it being like a glorious hipster paradise, it was f- literally full of dudes in varsity jackets calling us fags. It's, I'm serious, like yelling it at us. Like just me and Pat and walking down the street. Like, are you, did you really, did they really just, <laughs> it's dudes. And then their yeah. parents would come to the shows and not laugh at us. Anyway, wow. that was great. Oh, but when we were in Wichita, we went to see uh, Bo Diddley. We saw Bo Diddley live at a warehouse at the edge of town with a pickup band. And that was fucking great. <laughs> it was out by, out by the rendering plant. Oh, God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Did you see the video of this young woman uh, doing stand-up uh, in New Jersey? And getting the beer? Getting yeah. the beer thrown at her? Yeah, that's bad news, man. Yeah, but that, that which had, had that. Good for her. Sure, her. Her comeback was all-timer. Yeah. Grace it's fucking pressure. scary. Would you, it, let's say if you were a young comic, w- would you want to get back out there on the road in, in the climate of this country? Because- it's got to be a little different now. It is. Know? It's very different. Well, now it's like there's not people going out to see comedy or a comedian. They're going out to almost like a sporting event to support a team or or some sort of make some point or a point of view. And like I did the comedy store last night, and uh, I did a I did a show downstairs in the in the main room and in the front room, and then I did one in the belly room. The crowd downstairs was super touristy. And but they were great and super friendly. They got if you went off road, they got a little weird. But then upstairs, it was you know the uh, nobody ta- nobody talked about politics except for John Fuglesang. Oh, okay. Was, oh, and, wow. You know, and there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of conservatives upstairs. But downstairs, it was very touristy. Wow. I don't talk, I don't talk about politics on stage, or I and I'm not trying to cop out or anything. But it's like. I don't want to bring it up because it bums out half the audience. And I just don't want, I just want to tell some jokes about, you know, just diarrhea and the star Wars stuff, (laughs) you know, cats panting when they get in a car. That's all I want to do. (laughs) Who you had a booker book those shows back then. It was one woman or how did that work back then? I, I don't want to say her name, but her name was Roz Turner. And she was uh, like just one of those like local bookers and she had a circuit and she got this through this thing together for me and Patton and she was never available on the phone when all these clubs were getting canceled and the gigs were getting shut off. And it's like we just didn't know where we were going or where to stay. So we just drove home and then we drove back. We drove back out the next and it was, you know, day and a half, two days in the car. And I did it all in a Honda with no air conditioning. But when we stopped in Louisville on the way out, the second time we stopped and saw some uh, at the Louisville Comedy Club and it was great. And then we saw the 
Ren and Stimpy for the first time in the hotel room. It was like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Like those, those, that first wave of Ren and Stimpy's. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, now you'd watch that and you go, okay, whatever. But back then yeah. it was like, what the, what the fuck? It was mind blowing before we found really out was. that John, that John Crick Falusi was, um, was yeah, a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's putting it weirdly. Wow. Well, sir, we've come to the end of the road because I know that you have some parental duties. Uh, you, yeah. Uh, you, you must take care of. Yeah. My um, kid's so- locked in a hot car right now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's cooled off. Probably a cool car. Well, it is cooling down here in Los Angeles. Thank God for fi- oh, finally. Man. Fall has arrived. Um, is there anything? Uh, God, I wish I knew that you were at the comedy store. Um, is there anything else that you want to promote or throw out there? Are you doing any other live dates coming up? Uh, I'm hosting Lucha Vavoom at the uh, Mayan on uh-huh. uh, Oc- October 27th and 28th. Okay. Uh, those those are always fun. And you can uh, hear me playing Dungeons and Dragons with Brian Posehn and the Nerd Poker gang on Nerd Poker, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We've been doing that for 10 years. Yeah, that is essential. That is a real deal podcast listening. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, fo- and follow me on Twitter. Always follow me on Twitter. Well, and, and you're also one of the most generous people on Twitter. I have to tell you that. Um, that is kick ass about Lucha Vavoom because I was just asked about that by somebody. When is the next Lucha Vavoom? And it's coming right up. October so tickets available 28th. at luchavavoom.com. Yep. Or a dude on the street out front. <laughs> looking for a miracle to a front uh, well dude i already said it but i mean there's nothing i'd rather do this is the best way to spend an hour of my time it's delightful as always thank you for having me brennan and to the rest of you thank you so much for liking listening subscribing so many great guests coming down the pike but nobody beats blaine Capatch. i've said it before nobody nobody beats Blaine Capatch, and of course, the Brando cast is produced by Mr. Richard Sheltinga. So until the next time, cats and kittens. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery.